Salutations, friend, and welcome to the Profit Scale Podcast, where we help independent Black, Indigenous, and people of color entrepreneurs earn at their highest levels through securing corporate contracts. I'm your host, Ruth Joy Connell, your corporate consultant and sales enablement expert, and I'm on a mission to equip you with the systems and strategies you need to build a business of generational impact and income. Around here, we bring culture and coins together, providing all the learning, community, and support you'll need as you scale your business. So if you're ready to step into your next level of income and impact, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Turn up the volume and lean in, because we're about to get started. Salutations and welcome to another episode of The Profit Scale. I am so excited. You guys know I say this literally every Tuesday that we have an episode air. I always say I'm so excited for our conversation today. But as usual, I am excited because I have a fantastic guest with me. And I'm so excited to jump into our conversation today. So today I have with me Tanya Bachataria, who is the founder of Lumos Marketing, a thought leadership consultancy for social impact entrepreneurs who are ready to stand out as they stand up for their mission. She coach salts with a hybrid approach of offering personal brand messaging strategy for LinkedIn with coaching to dismantle imposter syndrome. On top of that, she is also the host of the podcast, The Campfire Circle, which explores the idea of replacing the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership with a campfire circle, a place to share our stories, build inclusive community and spark visionary ideas. So this is our esteemed guest today, and we're going to talk all about LinkedIn as well as thought leadership on LinkedIn. And so Tanya, welcome to the Profit Skill Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's really great to be here, and I can't wait to see what, what we get into together. Yeah, me too. I am excited, and I always love to start with the person behind the professional. So I'd love if you could share with us more about how you got into your career path and kind of your journey to where you are today. Yeah, I love that question. I think that's a perfect place to start. So, you know, I like to say that I was raised in the nonprofit community. I started working for a nonprofit right out of college, ended up staying there for 12 years. And part of the role, part of what I did there is share stories in marketing, I was in fundraising. And so in the beginning, I would sit with our patients, our alumni, people who have been who benefited from our services. And I would ask them to share a little bit of their testimonial with me, share a little bit about the impact that they have experienced as a result of going through our services. And what was so interesting to me was that so often they would have complimentary things to share about the organization, but I could just tell that there was this deep-rooted, insidious shame, guilt. They didn't always see themselves in the best light. There was still a lot of shame. And I worked for an addiction treatment program for women. I should probably have said that first. But as we worked together, we worked together to really reframe their narrative, right? And they started coming forward with a different story about themselves. They focused more on their courage, and their resilience and their decision to change their life and the, their stories about themselves changed. And what that really taught me was 
that the story that we have about ourselves so deeply influences how other people see us. And that really led me down a path of being really passionate about storytelling, of sharing our own personal stories. And that led me to where I am today. And so in 2020, 2021, I launched this business. And it really is about, like you said, it's a thought leadership consultancy. And really what I mean by thought leadership, what I mean by that is that practice of consistently sharing our passion, our lived experience, the things that make us credible, so that we can build trust and community as we imagine and shape the future together for the better. Because I think our stories are our greatest tool for affecting change. I love that. I love that journey, as well as even when you're sharing about these women coming forward and reframing their own narratives and their own story about themselves and focusing on their decisions to change as opposed to maybe what their past had looked like. It it really does tie in very well with what we're talking about today. And it also makes me think about a lot of the women in our audience who have to also reframe their own stories about themselves in order to be able to show up and work with corporate clients. Because oftentimes what I find is that, especially with women of color, it's usually us who's standing in our way and that internal narrative and the internal story that we're telling ourselves that even prevents us from putting ourselves in the running. So before we can even get to the place where we're trying to figure out strategy and what do I say or what do I post, there is internal work that has to be done, mindset work that has to be done so that we can feel confident enough even just to show up. So as you were sharing that story, I I was thinking about the journey, uh, you know, of our audience and just how well that ties in together. So I absolutely love that. Well, I love that you said that. And if I could just interject really quick, that's something I'm super duper, duper passionate about. And we do get in our own way, but I also want to be very, I I also want to share that that's not our fault because the, the, the blocks that are, that have been created, the inner chaperone, the inner critic, that little piece, those voices, Mm -hmm. those, those parts within ourselves that are saying, oh, like, I don't know if you should submit for that application. I don't know if you should put your name in the ring for that because you might not get it. It's just trying to protect us, right? It really is serving that chaperone function. And to me, I think that that's a really beautiful thing that we have this like protective voice. And I think that we can build a relationship with that voice to navigate a pathway forward. So that voice is not in the driver's seat, but like a deeper, more authentic self is in the driver's Mm -hmm. seat. And I think that we can have a lot of patience with ourselves, knowing that those blocks are not anything we were born with. It was not anything that's our fault. It's definitely a protective response to some of the factors, the biases, the aggression, the racism, the exclusion that we have faced over time and over generations. And so Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I think that is the first step. And I think that reframing self-limiting beliefs as like systematically limited beliefs is something I'm really passionate about. Because again, they're not Mm -hmm. ours to claim. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about that. I don't think I've heard it in that way before where you say systematically limiting beliefs. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about self-limiting beliefs, right? Like feeling like we're not good enough, feeling like we're not enough of an expert to put ourselves out there, feeling like maybe we don't know enough to price ourselves a certain way when we're submitting these corporate contracts. And we call them self-limiting beliefs. And I think that that is a, I think we're not doing ourselves justice by calling it that. I think names, naming and language have a lot of power. I learned that coming out of the addiction treatment space, which is such a stigmatized space. Mm -hmm. And so I really like to call it systematically limited beliefs because we live in systems, intersecting systems that have been designed to keep us thinking this way. They have been designed to keep the people who 
we oftentimes see behind the podium, who we oftentimes see at the boardroom table, who we oftentimes see in the pictures of the executive management teams of the places that we are working to get into. Um, These systems have been designed to keep the status quo the way they are. And so I call them systematically limited beliefs because really, again, like they, they erode, they are, they are direct responses to the ways that the systems that we live in have been built. And I think once we realize that our imposter thoughts, our perfectionism, our urgency, our people pleasing, I mean, the list goes on, right? Like I could just keep rattling these off. These systematically limited beliefs, they're purposeful. They were purposeful. And so I think once we realize that, I think we can begin to do the work of realizing, oh, those are not ours. Like, I, I should maybe I shouldn't call myself a people pleaser because I never I that's that's not actually who I am. That's just a protective response to the systems that I live in. And I think that unhooking and un- and like unlearning some of these things takes time. It's tender work. It's deep work. It's not going to be something that happens in a VIP day. <laughs> it's not going to be something that happens overnight. <laughs> I think it's something that happens in community with deep, vulnerable conversations, with a lot of authenticity in places that you feel safe, right? Uh, with with community members that you can talk to about this. And that's why I love the fact that you really do work with primarily women of color, because I think that we can have these safe conversations together, knowing that we've had a similar expression of that throughout our throughout our corporate lives. I love that this is where our conversation is beginning. I think it's so fitting just for talking about what we're going to get even deeper into as we continue to go. Even for me, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the systems that I live in, some of the behaviors that I've adapted, as you mentioned, as protective behaviors for some of the systems that I've lived in, some of the workspaces that I've been in, some of the environments that I've been in. And, you know, there really is a power in being able to understand, as you were saying, they're the function for which this behavior was developed and then recognizing, you know, when I change environments or even the fact that I can affect the environment that I'm in and so I can adapt this behavior. It once served this one function, but now I'm going to repurpose it for a new a new function in this environment or for where I am in life now. And there really is a power in that. And I love that you also pointed out just the power of the community around you and recognizing that you do need safe spaces in order to do this kind of work, in order to begin to believe yourself, believe in yourself in a new way and see yourself in a new light and see what's possible for you. So I'm really grateful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I'm really, even for me, I'm continuing to think, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to come back to this, <laughs> like re-listen to this and think about it for myself as well. So I'm, I hope, you know, as you are listening in the audience that you are beginning to think about these behaviors and how they show up for you and, and how you can begin to identify the purpose that they once served and then begin to repurpose them for where you are today, the knowledge you have, the opportunities you want to go after and for the growth that you've experienced over time. So I love that our conversation started here. I'm thinking as well. So I know that LinkedIn is your space. It is where you thrive. It is where you show up for your thought leadership. And I want to get a little bit more into that. So I know you and I connected. I can't remember how we connected on LinkedIn um, or exactly, you know, what made us cross paths. But one thing I have noticed since we have been on LinkedIn and as I've been following you and your content, one of the things I absolutely love is the way that you share 
your, the work with your clients and the work that you've been able to do because you share it in such a way where you are really highlighting and putting your client at the center of the work to say like, this is my amazing client. This is what they have done. This is how I was able to support them and their mission or their vision and, and the work that they're looking to do. You do it in a way that I've really never seen before because it comes across as so authentic and I can see your excitement for your client. I can see uh, the impact of the work that you guys have had together. And so I, I share that to say you approach LinkedIn in such an authentic way. And I know that sometimes that can be very hard to do, especially on a platform like LinkedIn. I think it can be difficult on social media in general, but LinkedIn feels like a very corporate professional. I got to show up buttoned up here. I have to have my story all together. I have to say the right thing. It can sometimes feel like you have to show up all together. And so contrasting maybe that feeling that we have about the platform with seeing someone like you show up just so authentically as themselves and and be able to build thought leadership in that, I would love for you to share around LinkedIn. First of all, why LinkedIn? Why that platform? How can we show up a little bit more authentically as ourselves on that platform? Yeah, I love this question. There's so much rich, meaty stuff here to get into. I love it. So the reason why LinkedIn is because I use LinkedIn as a nonprofit ED. Mm-hmm. So the organization I worked for was relatively small in the scheme of things. It was about a $5 million budget. I guess it's a maybe, maybe a mid-sized nonprofit, but I worked there during the recession of 2008, 2009. At that time, we really didn't have a budget to be able to put towards PR or like big glitzy galas and events and all these kinds of things. And so we got really scrappy mm-hmm. and we were like, hey, LinkedIn is free. I mean, it, it will take our time, but all of the people that we want to get in front of are on there, right? The Referral sources mm-hmm. who could send us patients, like doctors, interventionists, attorneys, the donors, like local corporations and foundation program officers, um, just local business influencers who you who we just wanted to get to know here in our neck of the woods in Orange County. They were all on there. And so we got really scrappy. Mm-hmm. My mentor, who's our ED, got really scrappy. Over time, I became the ED and I did this as well, we really challenge ourselves to share one story per week, just one thoughtful story of what was going on in terms of our impact per week. And at first, mm-hmm. it felt very inconsequential, like nothing was happening, but we kept doing it. And after about after about mm, six weeks, definitely after a quarter and like big time after six months, we started getting inbound inquiries about like, hey, I see that you just got in network with this insurance company. Our workplace has that insurance company. How can we work together? Can you come in and do a presentation to our team about addiction and wellness? And, you know, just all these opportunities came up that I previously, as like the fundraiser and marketer, was pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, trying to get. We just got that sustainable stream of opportunities to us because LinkedIn was working. And The other thing about it too is people on there, like there's no, there isn't as much gatekeeping. I remember as a fundraiser, I would email people 
10 times. And they have layers and layers of gatekeeping assistance and people that are, their jobs are to really keep that person sort of protected from all this inquiry coming in. But on LinkedIn, that gatekeeping didn't exist. I could send a message to a program officer or the CEO of a company or whoever I wanted to get in touch with, and they would respond. Like they would send me a message back. And I was just like, holy smokes, this is really working. Like this is really happening. And I know like to your point, you shared that LinkedIn has this reputation my friend Diane Mayer calls it like thought of as TikTok's corporate grandpa, or it's just very buttoned up, very <laughs> professional. And to go back to our earlier conversation, I think professionalism and that sense of like buttoning, button up, and we have to show up professional in this certain way is another factor of a system that is designed to keep certain people in one place and other people not being able to access it. So my podcast, let me just go on a tangent. My podcast (laughs) is called The Campfire Circle because it rejects the idea of the boardroom table as the ultimate space of leadership, because that's where you have to show up buttoned up. You have to show up a certain way. There's only enough seats for a certain amount of people to sit. It's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. stuffy. It's what some people think LinkedIn is like. And instead, I'm like, what if we could build a campfire circle? Because that's where you can share your stories, the scary stories, as well as the positive stories, right? You can build a community that gets it, that is authentic, that is there to sit with you and that is down to like huddle with you for warmth. And third, everyone belongs. There's enough seats. Like some people might be sitting on a log. Some people might be sitting like on the, on the dirt. And that's, and that's okay because there's, there's enough seats for everyone. The circle can expand to as big as it needs to be. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. my answer to this thinking around is LinkedIn this buttoned up professional space. Sure, there's going to be people that are that way. There's going to be spaces that are that way. But I have found that you can build relationships and connections that are just as powerful as ones that you would, people you'd meet at a conference, people you'd meet at a, at a small intimate gathering. Like people are real on LinkedIn. People are just showing up authentically as themselves. Not everywhere, but they're there. And I think the currency of LinkedIn, this is the last thing I'll say before I pass the mic to you back, is I think the currency of LinkedIn is relationships, right? When I look at Instagram, it's all about like the Mm -hmm. visuals, the beautiful visuals. On TikTok, it's kind of about like entertainment and quick entertainment, bits of entertainment. Twitter was kind of that way too. I think LinkedIn, really, it's about relationships. Like that is where you go because that's Mm -hmm. where people are logging on to learn, to grow their business, to network, to expand their circle. Anybody can tap into that too, right? It democratizes that leadership. Mm-hmm. Anyone has access to these movers, these shakers, these power brokers, and you can send them a message and you will hear back. So how do we do this authentically in terms of building relationships with people on LinkedIn and also building that thought leadership? How do we begin to work that in and, and almost create a strategy around that that allows us to show up, but is still intentional, uh, you know, around the relationships we want to build, connections we want to make. And when I say connections, I don't mean just hitting the connect button, but actually meaningful connections with people. And really that's relationship. And so how do we do this? I know you have a concept called being lazy with LinkedIn, (laughs) and I absolutely love that. So I'd love if you can touch on that as well. Yes, yes, yes. So I think the first place to start is really getting clear on what is the vision for my thought leadership? Like what is the world, the new world that I'm trying to create through me getting visible? What does that look like? And this vision may not be accomplished in your lifetime. Like this is the big vision. Like this is the big scary vision where you're like, holy smokes, like 
it's the vision that can't get accomplished on its own. Like for me, it's kind of this concept of eliminating, getting rid of the boardroom table and replacing it with a campfire circle. It's changing the way we think what professional is and expanding that definition so that everybody belongs. And it's like, I'm never going to do that on my own. So like, who do I need to partner with to make that happen? And there, there's a variety of people that I can partner with to make that happen. But that gives me the idea of like, okay, who are my values aligned with? And some of those people that come up for me are maybe DEI practitioners. Some of those people are workplace culture consultants, leadership consultants, executive coaches, communications consultants. There are people who are also trying to create that vision but they're doing it in a different way. Like they have a slightly different mission. And it's like, I want to get to know mm-hmm. these people because we can link arms and work together to to support one another, but also support the people that we serve. For example, I work with people to really build their thought leadership, but something that I don't do is brand photography. And I have noticed that oftentimes I'll work with someone and help them get their LinkedIn game up, but to really complete that full transformation and make them feel like, okay, like I can really show up how I want to, they need some brand photography. So I have built relationships with brand photographers in different parts of the country. And I've met them on LinkedIn, right? I've connected with them on LinkedIn and built relationships and said like, hey, like I work with this kind of folks, this kind of folk, and I see that you you and I are aligned in the ways that we see the world. Would you ever be interested in exploring the ways that we might be able to refer people back and forth, support each other, amplify each other's content, maybe do some some collaboration work, you know, and I don't say all that off the bat. This is like a longer term relationship building process. But I guess the first step Mm -hmm. is to really show interest in what it is that they're putting out there and commenting on their posts and cheering them on. I think that you got to show up as a kind person in their life before you go in and say, hey, let's do all this stuff together. And you did a really great job with that. Like I noticed like before you even reached out to to schedule a coffee chat, I knew who you were because you had been engaging Mm -hmm. in the stuff that I was putting out there. And so when you reached out, I was like, oh, of course I want to get together. And I think I even shared with you, like I get a lot of requests for coffee chats and I don't say yes to a lot of them, but because I like I Mm -hmm. got your vibe and I could tell that we were just going to like drive together. I was like, yeah, of course I want to get together because I feel like we have an aligned vision and way of seeing the world. So I think in terms of the second part of the question around being lazy on LinkedIn, it can feel overwhelming because like everyone is on LinkedIn. Like all of our people are on LinkedIn. They might not be posting all the time. And actually this is interesting. Only about 3% of active LinkedIn users post content on their own. And so, Mm -hmm. but they're on there. They're logging in. If not every day, maybe every week, every couple of weeks. So they're logging in, they're checking it out. They're seeing what's going on. We've got a lot of lurkers on LinkedIn. So don't let a lack of an initial engagement stop you from posting, right? And even in the story of what I shared when I was working for a nonprofit, if I had quit, if we had quit a month in, we wouldn't have experienced the fruits of our labor. So this is a little bit of a longer term game, but that gives us the grace to be lazy on LinkedIn. And what I mean by that is set aside one hour on your calendar, set up a recurring meeting request with yourself for one hour per week. It can be any time. And during that time, set that up as intentional LinkedIn time. This is not you just ran like scrolling the platform and not engaging with anyone, like feel free to do that. You know, you can do that too, but this is really intentional time where you're engaging. So it's like Mm -hmm. post a thoughtful post, engage with the people who 
engaged with you on your last post, right? Reach out to them, see what's going on, comment on their stuff, send them a message and ask them what they're excited about and what they've got going on in their business these days. Search for people using like the really robust search tool. Like if you work with CEOs of CEO, founders of CPG companies, do a search to find those people and filter it down based on like people in your area and send 10 of them a message to introduce yourself. There's so many mm-hmm. different kinds of things you can do, but pick one or two or three things that you that feel comfortable for you, whether it's posting content, engaging with people, finding new connections, and like rotate between those things during your intentional LinkedIn time. And after six weeks, after a quarter of doing this, like small little bite-sized thing, so many new opportunities are going to emerge for you. And we may not know exactly what those opportunities are yet, but if you hate going to networking meetings, if you're more of an introvert, if you don't want to do those things, LinkedIn is like a 24-7, 365 networking event that you can pop into when you want to, just wearing your jammies, just like being cozy, (laughs) being lazy, and just show up and start building relationships. And the people that can get your business to the next level are on there. Friend, it is finally here. I am thrilled to announce the highly anticipated virtual conference, Coinversations, Women of Color Entrepreneurs Breaking Boundaries and Sealing Corporate Deals. We created this conference in response to your request for a platform where women entrepreneurs can connect and focus on B2B corporate opportunities. Join us and learn directly from a panel of corporate decision makers and successful peers who have blazed the trail. You'll receive dedicated time and support to create an action plan that will help you secure your first or your next corporate client. And all of this while meaningfully growing your network of peers and partners. This conference is a one-stop shop for all women and women of color entrepreneurs looking to serve corporate clients and registration is officially now open. VIP tickets are limited. So friend, act fast to secure your spot. I am so excited to spend the day with you as we build our confidence, community, connections, and of course, our coins. Click the link in the show description to register now. I love that you talked about the different ways that we can show up with that during that intentional LinkedIn time. Because for me, this was something that was difficult, a transition that was difficult for me when I decided to come away from Instagram, recognizing that for me personally, I was already struggling with it and was trying to make it work. And I just, at some point I was like, listen, I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus on LinkedIn because it's, it was easier for me. But even there, I I'd still brought Instagram with me or the Instagram mindset with me of like, okay, well, I got to be posting all this content and reading all these visuals and, and literally just doing the most and wasting my time. And then also feeling discouraged when I wasn't engaging in that way or engaging as much. And so it, it was a bit of a transition even for me. And I eventually realized that my medium or one of the mediums that worked well for me was that engagement in other people's posts and other people's content. And then reaching out to introduce myself and try to set up relationships or just see how I could be of service to this this individual and get to know them a bit better. And that took a lot of time to to come to a place of comfort in that because I still felt like this isn't quote unquote marketing Mm -hmm. and I need to be quote unquote marketing my business and, 
you know, in the work that I do and the services and how will people know and all of these questions. And I'm sharing this because I know that I'm not alone. And I know that those who are listening are maybe still struggling with the same thing, or maybe that was a struggle and hopefully they've been able to overcome it. But this concept of LinkedIn being a 24-7 networking event that you can pop into at any time and engage in a way that is meaningful, comfortable for you, and that is authentic to you, that is a real shift in maybe marketing, I would I would even say, you know, to say like, you're, you don't necessarily have to follow trends, but you can show up in a way that is meaningful, understanding that currency of relationship is what works on LinkedIn and figure out what that looks like for you and how that fits into your business, your personality and, and your values, as you mentioned earlier as well. So I love that. And I want to focus a little bit on the content side yeah. of things because I know that sometimes it can feel like, okay, I still need to be posting, you know, three times a week or maybe four times a week or, you know, what do I say? Do I share my personal stories? Like, do I talk about my children? Do I talk about going to church? Do I talk about whatever is going on in my personal life? Or do I stick to here's what we're doing in my company and here's the last client we work with and here's the contract we're going after and, uh, you know, how do I blend those two? So, I'd love if you could share a little bit more about like when we are thinking about creating content and setting aside time to do that, how do we create content that creates thought leadership and that really positions people to know who we are and not just the work that we do? Yeah, I love that. So earlier when I when I shared about thought leadership being sort of like the intersecting factors of your passion, your lived experience and things that make you credible, I think that we can think about the content we want to share from those lenses. So in terms of passion, it's like what are the things that if you're suddenly thrust in front of a stage or suddenly thrust in front of a in front of a mic for a podcast, like an impromptu podcast, what are the things that you could fill an hour talking about? Like what are you like what documentaries books, trainings do you attend on your own time just because you're so dang passionate about those things? And the thing is, even if they're not like 100% related to the transformation you provide or the problem you solve or the business you've built, still share about those things because they humanize you. People always want to get to work with the people that they know, like, and trust. They want to get to know the faces behind the company. And so don't be afraid to share what you're passionate about, even if it's not something quote unquote professional or buttoned up, because that will bring the right people Hmm to you. They'll see that you're a passionate person. They'll see that you're thoughtful. They'll see what makes you you and they'll want to lean in. And then in terms of your lived experience and your stories, I really think that these are the most the mo- this is the most important tool that you have to bring people in and enroll people into your vision and your mission. So it's like Brené Brown has this quote, one day you will tell the story of what you overcame and it will become somebody's survival guide. And I truly believe that. And I think so often our businesses are a direct reflection of something that we went through ourselves, that we struggled through, that we came out the other side as a result of just figuring it out on our own. And now we're passing on that solution to someone else. And so to me, Sharing about a time that you struggled, sharing about the mistakes that you made, sharing about the learning lessons are actually some of the best ways to show up as a thought leader because it shows that you know exactly what the reader is struggling with and that you can get them to the other side because you've been through it yourself, right? And I think of this as kind of like when I, I don't know if you remember like going to visit college campuses, 
But think about who gave you the tour. It wasn't the dean. It wasn't like the board of the school. It wasn't like some high up person. It was probably a student. It was probably a sophomore, right? It was like one, it was a soft, yeah. it was a student that was just a little bit ahead of the journey as you. And that is actually the perfect person to enroll you into this experience of the school. In your case, in the, in the listener's case, in the experience of your business and the transformation you provide, because you are relatable. It's because you've been through it. Like you don't have to have a billion years of experience. You just have to have experience with the transformation that you provide, right? So sharing those stories from your lived experience are great. And then in terms of credibility, like it doesn't have to be what school you went to. It doesn't have to be how many years of experience. Again, I think things that make you credible, some examples are testimonials, right? Bringing it full circle. On Sundays, I share, I have this this series, which you mentioned earlier, the Sunday Social Impact Stories. It's kind of a mouthful, but I love alliteration. (laughs) And that's the series that I was talking about where I highlight one of my past clients. I, I highlight them. I like give them their flowers. I talk about the incredible transformation they provide. And I talk about their own experience going from somebody who wasn't really showing up to now their experience of showing up as a thought leader and what that has done for them and their vision. I love it because it's a win-win. Like one, it brings people into my world and and shows and not tells the outcome of working with me, but it also amplifies them, right? It amplifies them, which is what they come to me for. They get introduced to my, my network of LinkedIn folks. They get introduced to my people. And then I guess the third win is that the reader, the listener, the audience member sees that and thinks, oh my gosh, well, if they can do that, I think I can do that too. Like seeing examples of our transformation in action allows people to realize like, oh, I can do that too. It paints a picture for what is possible for them. Any person who's listening to this right now could probably do a a testimonial series. And that's a great example of thought leadership. You know, you mentioned showing and not telling the transformation. And that simple shift is really impactful. Even for me on the side of the person who is viewing that or seeing it or maybe listening to it, depending on what medium you're using. But on something like LinkedIn, I mentioned to you how that really stood out to me about you and your content and how you do that so well. So for those who are listening, if you want to see a a perfect example of what this looks like, definitely go to Tanya's page on LinkedIn, connect with her and hang around and just see her content, especially those Sunday posts as well so that you can see the way she does this because it, it is so unique. Like, and it might not seem like a big thing to you, but you have done this so well and have mastered it so well that it not just catches my attention, but also challenges me as I'm reading and as I'm engaging, it challenges me to be like, okay, how can I, how can I show the impact more and not just talk about it and, you know, speak to it, but how can I bring people in and let's discuss it almost. And so I love that. Yes. Love that distinction of like, let's discuss it because that's where you're creating relationship as well in the comment section. Like I would love for everybody listening to this to think of their LinkedIn posts as like a gathering place where people can come, where you're asking a question at the end of it and encouraging people to share Mm -hmm. their thoughts. And literally I've had people meet each other in my comment section. And then later they're like, oh yeah, I met this person through your LinkedIn profile. And now we're like working on this big contract together. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And like, that's also the power of thought leadership. You'll never really know the full impact of the work. And that's okay. Like you get to trust that it is, it is happening. And the last thing that I'll just share 
thank you for for encouraging people to check out my my content. I would love for them to do that. And there's also going to be a resource in the show notes where I have 14 free mm-hmm. prompts that you can download to kind of get your own ideas for how you can answer these questions to really show up with your own thought leadership and get your innovative perspectives, your opinions, your spicy thoughts out of your brain and into the world because those are the things that will make the right people lean in closer and say like, "Oh heck yes, you're the person for me." And And we don't talk about this a lot, but it will also help the people who are not for you self-identify that they're not for you, like they're not feeling what you're putting down. And you don't necessarily want them to be there anyway. Like you kind of want them to self-select out. So you only get the people that are the right fit for you showing up and raising their hand and saying, hey, let's work together. Absolutely. And that is going to be in the show notes. So you can just click or, you know, scroll down as you're listening to this episode. You'll see a link to that there and you can download Tanya's prompts. And it it really does walk you through all of our conversation today. It's a great way to action it. Everything that we've talked about and, and really understanding, especially what to put in your concept. What I really love about these prompts is that you're not telling us what to say, you're asking the questions that will help us think through our message and think through the impact that we want to have. And for me, I love, I always love that approach when you are leading or guiding someone because you are, you're helping us learn how to come to the answer ourselves, learning how to come to the content that we're going to be posting on a regular basis ourselves, right? Because if you were just to say, take this template and fill it in with your own information, then after we go through all the 14 of those prompts, it's like, okay, well, what do I do today? And so I really love that in this guide, you have really structured it in a way where you're saying, hey, think about this when you post this content, or how can you pull these pieces out from a testimonial and put them in there? So I just say that to say, everyone who's listening, go ahead and make sure you download these 14 problems, because I think it's really going to help with your approach to LinkedIn. And again, the way that you're thinking through your message in your content so that, and and even when you're not posting content, but even when you're engaging with other people, it's really going to help with that as well, so that you can become more comfortable on LinkedIn and learn how to show up in a way that is authentic and meaningful and valuable for you as the individual and not necessarily what you think the platform requires of you. Yeah, 100%. I love how you said that. Really, I think the somebody I know who's an amazing coach and facilitator really said that coaching is about the art of the question. And I think that that's a skill set mm-hmm. that we can learn. Like we don't always have to know the answer. Like often we're not going to know the answer and you don't have to know the answer ever. You just have to know how to ask the right question and who to tap into to, to get that right answer. So I love that. Yeah, even when in my my program systems at scale when we work with clients well we work with clients uh, around helping them secure corporate contracts and one of the things that we focus on is the discovery call and and really learning how to ask the right mm. questions for that discovery call because it's so important to be able to ask questions that are not going to give you answers but are going to give you insight into the problem or the challenge or the goal or how you can support or what role is available for you to play, what they need, et cetera. And so as I was just going through um, the guide, that was something that really stood out to me. And I was like, I really love this. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're at a place too, or at least where I, I, I can say for the people in my audience that we're at a place where we want more strategic help in that it's not necessarily telling us what to do, but 
really helping us learn how, how to do it for ourselves so that it becomes more sustainable. And as I was saying that, I thought about your approach, which is coach salting, <laughs> like coaching consulting together. And I was like, that's, well, that's what it is. It's, that word is perfect. We want more coach salting. Yes, yes. <laughs> the hybrid approach. <laughs> that's how you get stuff done. That's right. Yes. So Tanya, as we wrap up, I would love for you to share, if you could share some advice with women who are stepping into working with corporate and maybe making it more of a full-time or, or focus in their business and who are who are looking to LinkedIn as a platform for them to build meaningful relationships and connections with decision makers and, and people in their space who can really help facilitate that. I'd love if you can share some advice on how we can leverage this platform for this purpose? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, what I would say, as we start to consider working with more corporate clients, these larger these larger human systems, and I, I call them human systems very intentionally, because I think we have to remember, whether we're B2B or B2C, it's all H to H, it's all human to human. Like we're just one human talking to another mm -hmm. human. And sometimes we have to work with a cluster of humans. And yes, I think there's great skill in navigating that. And I think that you have so much to share with folks about how to navigate that. But my two cents would really just be, don't forget that you are really just working with other humans. And as you're using LinkedIn mm -hmm. to get connected to these human systems, these organizations, these companies, these big nonprofits, these foundations, whoever that is for you, don't forget you're really just talking to another human being. And so who is that human being that is your entryway into that organization? Is it the director of HR, person who's in charge of people? Is it the person in charge of tech? Is it the CEO or the executive director? Is it maybe a board chair? You know, who is that person that's the right entryway in? Don't be afraid to send them a con send them a message on LinkedIn because I have found in my own experience that people really do respond and they're going to be more likely to mm -hmm. respond if you are showing up with thoughtful content, you know, once per week, if you are showing up and engaging with other people. Don't be afraid to play, play in the sandbox, play in the playground. Mm -hmm. And don't forget that the people you're reaching out to are just people. They're not like corporate cogs. They're not, it's not part of this like nameless, faceless entity. Like it's just a system of other humans. And I think that's important to remember if we're yeah. going from like, B2C, one-on-one -on -one work to working with corporations, it's really, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. You're still just working mm -hmm. with people. I love that. Whether it's B2C or B2B, it's all H to H. And I, I'm definitely going to reference that in the future. It's a beautiful way of putting it and just reminding us that we are people working with other people, people connecting to, supporting, serving other people. And I, I absolutely love that. This has been fantastic, Tanya. Where can people go to learn more about you, to connect with you, and also to learn to find out how to work with you? Yeah, I would say that the best place, place I definitely show up is obviously LinkedIn. So don't be afraid, pop on over to LinkedIn and send me a connection request. I will definitely accept. And then we can be friends and stay in touch there. And the other way to kind of get deeper into my my world is really downloading that, that resource that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. it, that's going to be in the show notes to grab those 14 free prompts so that you can start showing up. And as you do that, you will also be getting additional helpful information from me to continue positioning you as a thought leader, as a go-to voice in your niche, as an approachable authority to help you get more corporate clients. So yeah, don't be afraid to reach out on LinkedIn or using that link below. I love that. And I will, for those who are in my audience and as part of being the Profit Scale listener, 
I will challenge you that when you do connect with Tanya on LinkedIn, just send her a message as well and and say hi, introduce yourself, take that first step and, and action what we've talked about today. Even if you want to use one of her prompts before you do that <laughs> <laughs> to help you guide what you should say, feel free to do that as well. But show that that you were not just listening, but just the impact of this conversation today and, and reach out and just say hi to her as well. 100%. Tanya, thank you so much for for being here today. This has been an awesome conversation and I'm looking forward just to continuing to stay in contact and hopefully you get some introduction messages from the listeners here. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This was such a treat. I could talk to you forever, I feel like, and and (laughs) I'm looking forward to staying in touch. Me too. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, friend, if you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to connect with our guest on social media using the links in the episode description. As always, I'm so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me, and it's my hope that each episode plays a part in moving you one step closer to building a business that will have a generational impact. Friend, I need your help. It's my mission to provide this podcast as a resource for women and women of color entrepreneurs all over the world, and I can't do that without you. Every time you leave a review, it helps increase our reach, making it easier for fellow women entrepreneurs to find us. Will you take a moment to leave a review for the podcast? This small gesture means so much to me, and it's the best way you can support us if you love the podcast. And if you've left a review before, you can leave more than one. Every review goes a long way. All you have to do is hit the link in the show notes to leave a rating and a review, or head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a review and rating there. And will you do me one more small favor? Take a second and share this episode with a fellow entrepreneur. Sharing even just one episode can make a world of a difference for the person listening on the other end. On behalf of myself and the team, thank you so much for supporting us in doing so. I'll be here at the same time and same place in two weeks. And until then, I wish you coins, confidence, and all the bags. Talk to you soon, friend. Mm-hmm.